Pamela Anderson or something. Is she a great actress? No, but she's got giant tits and she's very attractive. So that's why men liked her and why she was in a bunch of movies. Retrodrome. Welcome to what might be a contentious episode of Retrodrome. I am Josh Hadley. With me, as always, is the Canadian monkey man himself, who oddly will reflect more on this episode, I think, than many others. The Peter. Chicken bone, chicken bone, lucky, lucky chicken bone. Oh, Jesus, we're already starting. Okay. <laughs> and Cecil is here. <laughs> Nice. Oh my god. <laughs> That's spot on. It actually was creepily spot on. That was but really good. Before Thank we you. actually before we get into the content of the episode, guys, if you want to help out the show, you go to adamandeve.com. Get a little something for yourself. Use the promo code DROME, D-R-O-M-E, and you will get 50% off of a single item, three free DVDs, a free sex swing, and free U.S. shipping, all if you use the promo code DROME on your order at adamandeve.com. And also, if you want the digital condom that, I mean, nowadays you need some sort of a protection on the internet, NordVPN. Go to 1201beyond.com backslash DROME VPN and you'll get Nord's protection. You'll get 75% off of a three-year plan if you go through our link. It's a great thing. It helps us and it helps you. So go to 1201beyond.com backslash Drome VPN. So that said, this is going to be somewhat contentious of an episode because I didn't want to do it, but I got outvoted. So the two monkey men here are the ones who wanted this. Who remembers the Barbarian Brothers? That They were David and Peter Paul. Now, David Paul died on March 6th of 2020, so twins are not there anymore. And they did make movies, they had TV appearances. I got outvoted. I don't like these movies. These two do. But before that, I want to say that there's a difference between what the kind of things we're going to talk about tonight. One is there are Barbarian Brother movies, movies that star them and that are about them. And then there are also movies where these two guys just happen to be in the film, usually yes. as either supporting cast or kind of cameos. Like, I don't consider DC Cab a Barbarian Brothers movie. They just happen to be in DC Cab. Same thing mm -hmm. with The Flamingo Kid. That's not a Barbarian Brothers movie. They just mm -hmm. happen to be in The Flamingo Kid for a couple of minutes. Right. It's it's not like Think Big or, or Twin Sitters where they're actually the stars. There are other films where... I mean, I mean they were almost cameos in Natural Born Killers. But the scene Natural Born Killers, their scene was deleted. And I will give them this. Their scene was really funny. Yeah, they're actually really good in that. <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of sad that uh, it got cut. I mean, I understand that why it did. Yeah, um, Oliver Stone explains it, and I, I do agree with him on a filmmaking level why the scene was cut, but just on its own, it's a pretty funny scene. It is oh, really it is. funny. It, it adds like a, a whole different dynamic to the duo, and I do think that the two of them actually do give a really good performance. Like anybody that hasn't seen that scene, I strongly suggest uh, uh, YouTubing it. I believe it's Natural Born Killers uh, Hun Brothers deleted scene. It's it's really quite good. 
And it's it's sort of weird as as I was watching all of these movies, watching them more or less in order. It was strange how they would get credited because like in DC Cab, they were credited as you know each of their first names: Barbarian, David Barbarian, Peter Barbarian. <laughs> when they were on Knight Rider, they were credited as the Barbarian Brothers, Flamingo Kid, the Barbarian Brothers. But then in the Barbarians, they're credited under their real names, and then they're credited as the Hun Brothers sometimes. And it's like they had no consistency in how they would want to take credit for a damn movie, which got a little bit weird, I thought. Although I'm wondering if that's them or if it's just like whoever they're working with, like the filmmakers deciding to to call them as such. And plus, for a project like The Barbarians, I think it would be a little bit consistent if the film is called Barbarians and then it's, you know, Barbarian uh, Paul and Barbarian Paul 2 or whatever. Like, so it, it would have been a little redundant, I think, for that project i think what happened with that was they really i think they probably didn't know how far this curve was going to go because they were just two weightlifters that were trying to uh, get into this industry and they were trying to they, they were trying to be famous for being famous they they did a lot of the this stuff and they, they, were they, they showed visible. up on a lot of local tv shows and stuff right they kind of were uh like an originator of that whole thing back before well, the mass spreading of the internet and whatnot they were looking to do that and maybe the people in charge of doing the tv shows and whatnot weren't entirely sure to cast them as what to call them they probably didn't have a publicist so it was like okay well we'll call them uh uh the the paul barbarian whatever yes and then once they got the barbarian movie they were cast specifically like that movie was built for them so canon was like okay we're gonna make these guys our next thing and so they took them and they put them in that and that was when i think really the whole barbarians name really stuck and honestly the barbarians would kind of be the beginning because like i said before that they were in the knight rider season three premiere mainly as just you know the thugs for the bad guy they were in dc cab but they were lost amongst the shuffle of like the 19 characters that movie had they were in the flamingo kid but barely in it the first movie that really was a Barbarian Brothers movie would be 1987's The Barbarians from yes. Canon Films. And ironically enough, Diodato, Ruggiero Diodato yeah. directed that, which... This is from his cut and run days. Yeah, it does not feel like a Diodato film in general. I mean, like, when you, when you see Conquest... That still has Fulci all over it. Fulci's well, style, the way he shoots it. The Barbarians doesn't have any Diodato style on it. And I don't oh. know if that's him or Canon maybe handcuffed him. I don't know. Well, it's, it was also kind of later Diodato as well. Like his his style was beginning to drastically change. Whereas like, yeah, with, with Conquest, you still had those Fulci elements of, of like kind of gruesome gore like there, there's that a character, soft focus he loved that soft focus look that very vaseline on the lens look a character gets gangrene there's zombies like it, it still kind of feels like a fulci movie whereas the barbarians oh my god like that feels like it could have been directed by like jim wanorski or something it, it's really weird here's what i'll say about david and peter paul they can't act no. They can't act to save their lives. They can't elocute their dialogue. They have almost maybe three total facial expressions. They, they're, these are the kind of guys who would be great stuntmen. Why someone, Canon, Glenn and Globus, thought these guys can lead a film? 
Because when when you watch the Barbarians, okay, the story is just you know an average Conan ripoff, but you've got but Richard two, with Lynch with two Conans. Yeah, two exactly. Well, well, right with two Conan, but you've got Richard Lynch and you've got Michael Berryman and you've got these other actors who are just acting rings around the main fucking characters. Well, a lot of the time, though, to be fair, it isn't like the villain. The villain tends to be a lot of the time one of the most memorable characters. I mean, look at Die Hard. Like everybody is still talking about how great Alan Rickman is in that movie. Like I, I think it's sort of a given that the villain is going to be super memorable. Like you know, everybody talks about Arnold as the Terminator in the first movie, or you know, Darth Vader in the Star Wars films. Like th- there needs to be something intriguing about the villain. I think to to sell a film, and, and in my opinion when it comes to the paul brothers while they're not necessarily very good traditional actors i've always found them to be charismatic in a way like there's a scene in this movie that the most iconic for me like the most memorable moment in the barbarians is where they're at this like like underground bar that's like in a tree or something like i I forget exactly what it is but they're they're in there and they're looking for some dude george eastman yes that's thanks i was getting to that they were they stumble into george eastman and they of course you end up getting into an arm wrestling competition with him which hey little reference to uh sergio martino's hands of steel there but there's a great moment where they're arguing about who's gonna arm wrestle him and then george eastman stands up out of his table and he's just a fucking giant and and the other one looks at the other and he's just like go ahead which i, th- I think is great i understand completely why they were hired to be the frontliners of this movie they are big and they're dopey, and there's a certain charm to them. Yes. You can't deny, you're just looking at them, and okay, yeah, they only have a couple of facial expressions, but they make you laugh. They make you, like, they're these two big, dopey muscle heads feel like you could have a beer with. You could, they're basically, uh, I feel like they're sort of like Arnold's, but if, like, Arnold was from New Jersey or something, like, they kind of have their own accent, they have their own sort of demeanor and charm about them. Because Arnold, you know, when he started out, he wasn't necessarily, like, a great actor or anything either but it was his charisma that was driving it and i feel like that was sort of the, sort of the same thing with the paul brothers absolutely they're just there's something about them that you like them you laugh when they're doing dopey stuff when the two brothers they're trying to like they're trying to kiss to ward off you know so that one of the guy one of the um guards doesn't notice them and, and the other <laughs> brother's like Ugh! they're so like grossed out by it and it, it's, just, <laughs> it's funny it, like, yeah I absolutely understand why they would be a thing. And I have an older sister who was madly in love with them because she liked muscle bound dudes, Pamela Anderson or something. Is she a great actress? No, but she's got giant tits and she's very attractive. So that's why men liked her and why she was in a bunch of movies. Well, Well, you take that, the male version and you oil them up and you put them in a loincloth and you put them in a Conan ripoff. Well, of course that's going to appeal to the opposite sex. Yeah, in the mid late in the mid to late 80s one of the biggest things in terms of like a male lead were you know big muscular dudes this was the era of the Stallones and the Schwarzeneggers and just like what Cecil was talking about with Pamela Anderson what was considered to be one of the biggest sex symbols of that time was blonde chicks with gigundo tits like it's it's kind of what was marketed at that time so it makes sense well then after the barbarians I don't know how great the barbarians did it made a profit but remember this is when Canon was having lots of financial problems so that was literally one of their final movies. I yeah. Think, was, so yeah. I, I, I think they wanted this to be a franchise, but it just never got there. So then the next thing that they did, now the Paul brothers almost always 
acted together. They were in a TV pilot, a two-hour movie TV pilot. Again, this is one I don't consider one of theirs because they're just, you know, their supporting cast in mm. The Road Raiders. This was a, a TV pilot that tried to make World War II seem fun. Oh my god. <laughs> well, then the same year that Road Raiders did not get picked up as a series, they made Think Big, which was directed by John Turtletub, you know, who would go on to make, like, Nash the National Treasure movies, and was written by Jim Wynorski. You brought up earlier how Barbarians feels like a Jim Wynorski film. Well, he yes. wrote Think Big for them, and... <laughs> Think Big was a slog to get through because this one, I, I don't know if John Turtletub just didn't know what he was doing yet. This movie drags so hard. For instance, it's barely an hour and a half as it is. And the opening credits, the, the theme song where they're just giving the director's name and all that is four and a half fucking minutes long. <laughs> The, and yes, think, the only thing I liked about Think Big was the people who weren't the Paul brothers, like Richard Maul and stuff like, you know, and people like that just showing up for random cameos. Martin Maul as the villain, because sure, why not? In this one, they're truck driving twin brothers and they have to get to a location in a certain time while avoiding the mob. Yes, Let non-hilarity ensue. And they have a certain little catchphrase that they have throughout that film. I think Cecil remembers it. Chicken bone, chicken bone, chicken lucky, bone. lucky chicken bone. <laughs> Look, they gave him one thing and they ran with it. All right? Yes, like, they Let, did. Let's see what catches on. I mean, exactly. they, they thought that maybe maybe the, uh, I don't even know what you would call the, the, the thing that I did in the beginning, the, the, the yell. Uh, the, 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 that yell it. came from the Barbarians. And when I, because I haven't seen the Barbarians in like 25 years, when I rewatched yeah. that, when they did that, that thing, I that's just like burst out their... laughing with like, what oh, yeah. the hell yeah. is this? That's exactly what you're supposed to do. Exactly. It's supposed they're to like, be silly. They're, they're big, dumb this, barbarians. Like, they're making this like ridiculous noise while they use like the sheer strength of their massive necks to like snap nooses. I, I think like, which is, that was sort of the gimmick of the barbarians. And then think big was chicken bone, chicken bone, lucky, lucky chicken bone. Like it, it seems like in every movie they, they would always have this, this quirk to, to do, but like that, that sound in particular, particular is something they would just do to make people laugh like on talk shows like you can see interviews with them you know talking about the movie they were going to do and then just like performing that they also make that sound in the deleted scene from natural born killers while like one of them has their legs sawed off they're just on the ground like making that sound i i liked it i mean it was slower than barbarians there it could have had a better edit but overall I thought it was fine. I enjoyed it. I liked seeing them being just big oafs. I don't know. They're they're enjoyable to watch. They're funny. Yes. In I've I've always had a soft spot for them. I can't get angry watching something like that. It's like, okay, they're they're big lummoxes and they're obviously having a really good time. Something to note about the two of them too, and I think it shines through their performances usually in movies, is they were always known to be pretty nice guys in real life. And I think for friendly dudes. I'm not talking about them as people. I'm talking yeah. about them as actors and as with actors. zero screen presence. So when it comes to Think Big, it just, it's not very funny. The plot is not very engaging. There are a couple of fun side performances. Richard Keel was actually quite funny as an inept hitman. I thought mm -hmm. I thought the funniest part was Richard Keel in this movie, and that yeah. really is saying something. 
And Richard Mull is always great. I mean, you you know, you can't pass up Big Ben and Mistima and whatever his name is in, in Night Court, but that, that dude has really always been one of my favorite character actors. So it's you, like you, you have a cameo that. by it's Tiny fun. Lister who yes. talks about sewing socks. Exactly. A lot so of fun it's there. like all the things I, I didn't hate about this movie were the non-Barbarian Brothers stuff. But at least, much like the Barbarians, the, the movie The Barbarians, it gave you some some character actors to root for and enjoy. Like, at least the... I knew it. I knew there was something about these movies that you were enjoying. So, ha-ha. Well, and then also 1989. Now, this one, I'm right on the line whether I consider Ghost Rider a Barbarian Brothers movie. They are prominently featured on the poster. They're prominently featured in the trailer. They are one of the top credited names at the front of the movie, but they've only got about 10 minutes of screen time in Ghost Rider as the thugs for the bad guy. So I I think this one was riding off of the Barbarians and Think Big, and they were probably on TV a whole lot at the time. Ghost Rider, I don't necessarily consider one of their movies. This was directed by Kenneth J. Hall, who also directed Linnea Quigley's horror workout, and it was produced by David Dakota. Ghost Rider wasn't a very Ghost Rider was not a very good movie, but the Barbarian Brothers did something weird in this one. Mm. They tried accents. I can't remember what accent did they do for it, this. It, I think it was supposed to be like a New York Brooklyn accent kind of thing, and oh, it just the Jesus. first time they spoke, I'm like, that's his voice, but that's not his voice. Because they already kind of have, like, uh, no, Jesus, no. Um, Because they already sort of have, like, a Jersey tinge to the way they talk a little too much. Like, guys, don't. Don't try accents. Your, your thing is not impressions. Your your thing is not like haha jokey humor. Your your thing is just being lovable goofs and making weird like throat sounds and being gigundo muscular. That's your that's your thing. Please, dear God, stay in your lane and stick to it. Then in 1992, they made Double Trouble, and this one, along with the the next one that they're going to make, was directed by John Paragon. This who, is the cop one, right? The one, yes, one of them is one cop the, the, the cop one's... and the criminal. John Paragon yes. kind of threw me for this because I'm like, wait a minute. He's from, he directed Pee-wee's Playhouse. He directed Elvira's stuff. He, and you can he was... kind of feel it. You can feel it in, in the vibe of the movie. Like it's sort of that, that same level of uh, silliness a little bit. But in this one, again, they're playing twins as they do in everything where <laughs> one is a criminal and one is a cop and they yeah. have to work together to stop a ridiculously over the top Roddy McDowell <laughs> as the <laughs> yes. okay Roddy McDowell looks like he is having way too much fun as the villain in this though. movie. He really, I have to say that one is my personal favorite of, of the Paul Brother movies. I love this one. It's probably the one I watch the most. Uh, I'm not surprised that The Barbarians was the first one to make it to Blu-ray, but I'm hoping that Double Trouble makes it there eventually, because I agree it is a absolute crap ton of fun between kind of parallels. I mean, even though one is a bad guy and one is a cop, it does still kind of have like a Tango and Cash vibe. Oh, yeah, uh, absolutely. I don't know which one is the one that's wearing the belly shirt, but oh, God, it's like, oh, it's so like 90s big muscle dude wearing a belly shirt. No, it's the, cop. It's, it's the one that's playing the cop. And there's scenes where he's just like bench pressing and it feels like something that would be like a softcore gay thing because he's just like lifting weights <laughs> in his room and he's wearing like the midriff and he's just going uh, 
with like soft like jazz music in the background and i'm just f***ing howling watching howling laughing watching it god uh, i love that movie <laughs> yeah but but like you said uh ronnie mcdowell is having a blast just so fun uh, you, and they do manage to cram in these amazing character actors in their films yeah. again like we were saying with the original which uh, richard lynch and michael berryman michael berryman richard and then mall richard mall uh david Roddy McDowell, Billy Moomy. It's mm-hmm. like all these people just kind of pop up in here and it makes it a little bit more of like a look at that guy. Oh my, he's in, in this movie. It's, <laughs> it elevates it to make it even more fun because it's it almost does. a guess who's going to be in this Paul Brothers movie. Well, and then Double Trouble, John Paragon would move on from that. And then in 1994, he would make, and I'm going to call this the last Paul Brothers movie, but. I have a qualifier that I'll get into in a little bit. But the last real Paul Brothers movie was Twin Sitters, Mm -hmm. where they get involved in a plot with the mob and illegal dumping of toxic waste, and they have to babysit these twin brats at a rich person's house now this one struck me as the as weird because i don't know if this was the direction that the actor was given or what jared martin who normally comes from dramas and sci-fi stuff like war of the worlds and stuff like that he is playing this like this is a serious drama of the mob (laughs) trying to kill him Every other single actor in this, including the mob hitmen, are playing this like it's a goofy comedy. Oh my god. And those two styles don't work. And I don't know if it was just Jared Martin, who's not known for comedy, couldn't understand it, or if he was told by John Paragon, I want you to play this 100% straight, no matter the shenanigans that are going on around you. Maybe it just came naturally to him to perform it that way. Like, there's some actors where, like, no matter what they're in, they're always treating it with 100% earnesty and they don't care what the quality of the film is, who the director is, how much the budget is. They're still going to treat it like they're doing an A-list film, and I think that's commendable. Twin Sitters as a whole, though, I can see exactly what this one was banking on the popularity of. Like, I believe around the same time the Hulk Hogan movie Mr. Nanny had just come out. There is definitely a vibe there. I don't know which one came first, but I'm, I'm pretty sure this one is going off of... Oh, it's of absolutely that. a cash-in on that, yes. Oh, yeah, for for sure. That yeah. We're going for yeah, that Mr. Thing. Nanny was 93, and this was 94. Yeah, so it makes sense. A year later, so they were kind of doing, doing the similar thing, but much like with the Barbarians being two Conans, you know, in, in Twin Sitters, it was two Mr. Nannies, like, like two Hulk Hogan's. So I absolutely get what they were doing. I do think this one is fun. It's not one that I visit quite as much. Like, like for me, it's it's Double Trouble and The Barbarians, or, or even Think Big. Like, like, I watch that one fairly frequently as well. But I still appreciate this one for, it, it's got a weird, like, ridiculous vibe to it. And I, I do like revisiting it. And overall, I see where it's coming from. Yeah, it, it's it's just a, a weird, weird little movie. And, and they have the worst fashion sense of all time in this movie. Both of them dress in this movie like a 1987 hot topic exploded at them (laughs) i would say they dress a little bit more like madonna from the 80s where she would tie things to herself as yeah they would have ribbons and bows all over them like what what is this it's like are you just learning how to dress yourself 
They really like color in that movie. That's what I remember is that their their outfits were really, really colorful. Yeah, the funny thing about the movie, watching it, like revisiting it after a while, even though it was more or less a ripoff of Mr. Nanny, it had more in common with Santa with muscles. So, yeah. Like it had more of that vibe to it, weirdly enough. It's almost like they ripped off the wrong movie. Well, this would be the last technical Paul Brothers movie. I don't know exactly what happened. I know they did have drug problems around this time, so mm. and probably steroids as well, because I know oh, do know yeah. that came up at one point. I don't they know were if on it steroids? No, yeah. never. What? I find that hard to believe, sir. I don't know if it was their personal problems or if after this, just no one wanted a Barbarian Brothers movie. They would continue to appear on, like, talk shows and things like that. They would appear at premieres of movies they had nothing to do with. They didn't make another movie after this. Nobody wanted them. I, I don't know if it was them wanting to just, hey, we want to work on ourselves, or if it was no one wanted them. There, there are two weird things that we're going to jump way forward in time now. This is that pin I put in earlier. So in 2005, they made a movie called Sold Out, S-O-U-L-E-D, about heaven and hell where one of them plays a, a demon, one of them plays an angel, and Gary Busey plays the devil, directed by Charles Edelman, who is known for making swimsuit illustrated video documentaries, so you know this is high-end. To the best of my knowledge, this has never come out. I can't find a trailer, I can't find a review, I can't find stills. All I can find is that this movie was made in 2005. I cannot find any evidence that this sold-out movie ever got released. Maybe it played a festival or two. To the best of my knowledge, this movie exists, and that's it. And that's why, you know, we didn't review it for this show. I can't find it. And like I said, I can't even find a review of it. And usually if it plays a festival, there's, there's at least a newspaper review. So to the best of my knowledge, sold-out exists, and, and that's it. In 2013, David Paul directed, and of course Peter Paul was in it, a movie called Face Street Corner Tavern that, again, I can't basically find any evidence that it ever actually came out. So mm. that's why, while Twin Sitters is the last movie you're, you're going to see from them, there are technically a couple of more after that that maybe at some point we'll see, but... To the best of my knowledge, we covered everything. Well, yeah, after their career had kind of fizzled out a little bit, I know that they were separated for a little bit. And I believe, uh, I think it was David went off and started like painting and sort of doing art stuff. He also and became religious. He, he, came kind of, Jesus. he came kind of like, he was sort of spiritual. Yeah, um, there, there's some um, interviews later on in his life where... He's he's sort of talking about some of his beliefs and how he actually has a, a lot of interesting things to say where he, he believed that the lifestyle he was leading in the 80s was was toxic and that being he was saying actually a lot of very positive things that like being that big, even though you look really big and really healthy and really strong, a lot of the times you're actually feeling at your weakest because you're constantly bloated all the time. You're, you're getting tired. You're full of all these chemicals.
oils and all these like these sources that are that are keeping your body that way and eating way too much and pumping yourself full of all this like dope and stuff. So I think it's cool for him to divulge into that and be very honest about it. And now that kind of gives me the opportunity to talk about some other stuff about them earlier on in their career where because they were kind of hellraisers a little bit and, and they were known as like nice guys, but they would screw up from time to time. And there was a, a time when Lyle Alzado went out of town and, you know, everybody that worked out at Gold's Gym were buddies and, you know, they knew folks from World's Gym and, and you know, they knew folks from, from Gold's Gym on Venice Beach. And Lyle, I believe, was going to go shoot Ernest Goes to Camp. It was some movie that he was, you know, going out of town town to go film. And he asked the Paul brothers if they could house sit for him. And they were like, yeah, of course. But he was like, but don't you fuck up my house. You guys can have people over. You can party, but don't mess anything up. And they're like, yeah, yeah, sure. And, you know, he goes off, goes and do, does the movie. They decide to have the wildest parties imaginable. You know, they messed up his pool table. Apparently, he was very touchy about his pool table. And, you know, he, he gets back into town. They're gone. You know, all the all the people that were coming to party with them were gone. That The place is trashed. To make a long story short, the manager of Gold's Gym tells the Paul brothers, you guys need to disappear for at least a month El Zeto is in here looking for you. He wants to kill you. They disappeared for like a month or two. They legitimately did. And that's a a testament to how much of a badass El Zeto was that these two muscle-jacked barbarian brothers, even they, even they knew they messed up. Well, it's sort of funny. When, When I told my girlfriend we were doing this retrospective, sometimes she'll watch, when we're doing a retro, she'll watch all the movies with me. She'll be like, oh, I'm interested in seeing these. When, When we did Mimic, I was like, hey, you want to watch the mimic no no i don't okay okay and then i'm not going to say what our next retro is but i tried to get her to watch those no no peter and cecil are making me do the paul brothers she goes "Ooh, i'll watch all those with you yeah. so it's like oh, that's where your damn to. yeah it's like that's where your damn line is well, there you go. Your, your your girlfriend's got taste, man. It's like I said, they were appealing to they're appealing to the the female demographic who liked seeing big muscle bound dudes. They were also appealing to the male demographic who enjoyed seeing these pig big dumb lummoxes have fun and yes. just do something silly. That and they're just fun. Like I mean, I don't know if uh, the reason why Josh is checking wanted to watch it because of the the muscularity of the two, but it's no, like they she, are also she she. she grew up watching these on cable same as i did well, you know yeah, the barbarians so like, and think big and probably, stuff it's probably it's probably just like a nostalgic thing because they are very goofy movies you know they're they're very tongue-in-cheek they're, there's just a there's like it's funny stuff basically if you're into that sort of thing so you know there's just people that dig this stuff and people people that don't and then I'm glad that your girlfriend at least had fun watching them with you. I'm, I'm glad someone had fun. You know? <laughs> so. Yeah, I didn't because I, I'm not going to lie. These were a slog to get through. I mean, oh, I, I, I admit man. it. I was outvoted. You guys outvoted me on this. You guys have watched movies that you didn't want to for me. I did it. I did not it's enjoy fair. these. I did not enjoy a single one of these. Fair is fair, man. That's what I'm saying. I'm so I'm we, saying we finally. So after after what five five six seven years whatever we got one on you. No, you already <laughs> did that by making me do sleepaway camp on Radio Drum. Oh, oh god. god, that's nothing. <laughs> that was just a couple movies. This is a handful of movies. We did the goddamn the entire Amityville series for Christ's sake. <laughs> 
I know yeah, the, like the, the Barbarian Brothers movies. They're fun. Like I said, like and, I just smiled and laughed through all of them. Yeah, and it's just a handful of like hour and twenty minute movies. Like they don't last very long. Whereas again, God, do those Amity Phil Amityville movies get terrible the more and more you go on? I'm just saying. <laughs> There's so many of them. Maybe when I was 15, I would have enjoyed doing this retrospective. <laughs> In my 40s, I did not. I don't know if that is, I have changed critically because I just can't enjoy a bad movie like this anymore. Because you guys know I hate that, well, it's so bad, it's good. I hate that. I, I do not watch a movie that's so bad, it's good. Well, I'll tell you this, I don't um the things that i enjoy i never like i am somebody who is very adamantly against the term guilty pleasure you either like something or you don't if you like a movie that most people deem to be bad just own up to it you enjoyed it you enjoyed it for what it was big time <laughs> same thing i've i've said numerous times i don't believe in guilty pleasures because you should never feel guilty about liking something it's a movie or something and you feel bad about watching it well then that's that's on you it's I think that's somebody who they like something that is quote unquote garbage and they don't want to admit it. So they're, oh, that's a movie. I, I like it, but it's a guilty pleasure. Unfortunately, this leads to discussion leads into the Barbarian Brothers legacy. They have been embraced by those asshole internet reviewers, and I put the word reviewers in quotes, that do the so bad it's good. That, uh, oh, oh, you know, the, the Chris Stuckmans and the Red Letter Medias and the and... Doug Walkers and these people that are like, oh, it's a hilaritrocity. The internet has embraced the Paul brothers, the Barbarian brothers, as that so bad it's good shit that I absolutely detest. The Barbarian brothers, the Paul brothers, are being embraced for the same reason the internet embraced Reb Brown. And I right. think that is going to be their legacy, whether we like it, whether they like it. Well, I mean, there's only one, but I'm, you know, I'm not making fun of him dying. But I, I don't know if they went when they were both still alive. I don't know if they knew just how kind of in quotes beloved they were by the Internet. I don't um, I mean, that's a good question. With the movies they were doing and the way they were depicted, I do think that there was a self-awareness in, in knowing that, like, I, I don't think they ever fancied themselves as, like, great actors or anything. I, but I do think that whenever they did a movie, they had a lot of fun, and that's evident whether they were cameo additions, whether, whether they were side characters in something like DC Cab, whether they were doing their own movie, like Think Big or Double Trouble, or even... You know, scenes that were cut, like, you know, the National Born Killers, Hun Brothers stuff. You can tell they always cared about what, what they were doing, whether they could really act well or not. You could tell that there was a level of, of fun and of heart there. I felt like they were never there to dial it in. They were never there to just pick up a paycheck. And that's something that I personally have always really liked about them. It's never been about, oh, these guys are so terrible. It's like, whenever I watch them, I like them. Like, I genuinely enjoy their presence. I like what I'm seeing. I'm not really laughing at them. I feel more like I'm laughing with them. Just enjoying what they're doing because I can tell that they're enjoying it. There's also something to be said for the natural born killers scene. Now, Oliver Stone didn't say this, 
reading into it and looking at I'm looking at the thematic elements through Natural Born Killers itself, which is a commentary on the media and the mindset of people who would idealize a killer or a set of killers, right? So in the scene, you know, Mickey and Mallory are uh, out, you know, doing their their slashings and they're cutting the Hun they they broke into their house, they're cutting the Hun brothers legs off with chainsaws and then they recognize them. And they're like, yeah. "Oh man, we love your movies. Oh, I'm so sorry. I don't think this one chipped the bone." And and they start getting a medical attention. <laughs> I think in context, the commentary he was making was these guys movies are for those lowbrow people who would idealize a serial killer. I actually think their cameo was a weird commentary on their goddamn career, and I don't think they realized that. I, I don't know if that was necessarily it. I think it was just sort if of If you look way... at that in context of Natural Born Killers, I, I don't think I'm out on too far of a limb reading into that. I think you may be reading it into a little too much. I think what they were trying to do with that was to sort of humanize Mickey and Mallory a little bit and showing that, hey, they're fans of stuff and, you know, they're they have actors that they're both really into and they realize that they're basically slicing and dicing two of their favorite people. And that's one of the only reasons why they ended up letting these two live, which I really would have liked to have been kept in the movie because it's this really weird and funny juxtaposition compared to everything else because it's like oh wow there's people that these two actually like but i still think there was some sort of a meta commentary there that the paul brothers were not involved in no i think you're wrong i think you're reading too far into it i think it was just they were trying to show mickey and mallory in a different light a little bit uh, of hey these guys do have a limit here's somebody who they really like oh we're not going to kill them because we like them and yes. i think that that was the extent of it i don't think that there was some meta commentary there uh, i really don't the think whole that movie's that meta commentary no i realize the whole movie is a meta commentary but i'm saying not a meta commentary in that aspect i think that was meant to be like the only like i said sort of showing a human moment with them where they're yeah, like it was oh humanize we like these guys <laughs> all right well so what do you think when you look back at the the not the legacy of the of the barbarian brothers the paul brothers but when you look back at their movies do you think that there are genuinely good movies here or just movies you can enjoy because th those are two very different standards I think that they are enjoyable, fun, dopey movies. They're the kind of movies where if you're having a really shit day, you need to sit down and watch something to laugh and to forget about whatever else is going on. I think it's the perfect movies, specifically more so more so the barbarians and the, the uh, not not twin sitters uh, double trouble like they're two movies where if you can really sit down and just laugh and enjoy yourself uh, and not tax yourself too much just kind of be like okay here's some big dudes being doofy and, and trying to make uh, catchphrases and stuff it's enjoyable I think that there is nothing wrong with enjoying them for being what they are same thing really and I can literally give a example that you know there was a there was a time a couple of years back where I was just having the worst day and just feeling like absolute crap and I ended up finding out that all of their movies were on YouTube and it's like okay I hadn't seen the barbarians in a while I hadn't seen double trouble in a little while I'm just going to I'm just going to watch all of them and I sat 
through. Like I watched the barbarians and think big and double trouble and twin sitters. And just, I did end up feeling like a lot happier and it put me in a better mood and it, it helped me sort of escape what I was going through that day, that week. And I, I do enjoy them genuinely. And I, I think to me, a good movie is always something that can, can make me feel something by the end of it, especially something where I, I feel elated by the end of it. And you're not necessarily watching these movies for their cinematography or for their writing. You're watching them for who's in it and how they're going to be performing. Like like we talked about earlier, you know, they have a certain charisma to them magnetates that that gets you magnetized to the screen. And then there's certain character actors that will show up, you know, like Richard Mole, Ronnie McDowell, Richard Lynch, people like this that are showing up in their movies that are always really, really fun as side characters or as villains. It's it's sort of the same thing with a Steven Seagal movie, even though he is deemed a and is a complete scumbag. You know, I can always pop in something like Hard to Kill and, and really enjoy William Sadler's performance out for justice and just love William Ford. Forsyth. With those movies, even though Seagal can't act for absolute shite, he's always got really great villains in his movies and not necessarily saying that like the, the Paul brothers are, are unlikable. They very much are to me. I think they're very charismatic and I think they're they're very screen worthy for what they were doing. The other elements of their movies, like the, the people that would play villains and side characters, would always be these really fun character actors that I always really loved growing up. So there's just there's just something to these movies that I can always revisit and always really enjoy and always put a smile on my face and and kind of brighten up a day that initially was pretty gloomy and see i thought these were all just terrible terrible slogs that i hope i can forget very soon you're grumpy and angry at everything and you just like to stay angry so of course you wouldn't find joy in something like this right that's fair (laughs) totally fair So where can we find Peter watching the Barbarian Brothers movies? Which, by the way, the Barbarians, ironically enough, since it came out on Blu-ray, is the one that's not on YouTube anymore. (laughs) Of course. You you can find the others on there, but but that's the one, I think, Shout Factory or whoever, probably got that thing yanked Uh, off YouTube. Kino Lorber. Kino, but... But you, you can find me at Zinematica on Twitter, usually almost always praising Paul Brothers on YouTube, The Cinemasochist. Uh, check me out on uh, twitch.tv slash The Real Cinemasochist, where I do live commentary, live riff, movie streams. I, I do it every other day. And where can we find Cecil just gooing over his Blu-rays of the Barbarian Brothers movies? I'm sure Think Big will show up on Blu-ray soon. Right. I certainly hope so. Well, I will not be gooing over them because I like to take care of them, but... Uh... <laughs> You can find me watching them, not not uh, jizzing on them like some and kind of weirdo. You can you be gooing next to them. I will uh, over at uh, God Good Bad Flicks on YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, Facebook, and 1201beyond.com. And you can find me at 1201beyond.com. Contact this show at 1201beyond at gmail.com. Guys, try to be a cut above. Keep one foot in the gutter, one fist in the gold. Have a good night.
You've got to be aggressive. Man, you can't stay down if you're gonna be progressive. Find it and other great content at 1201beyond.com.